So good. Well, welcome to Hope for the World Sunday. I'm going to introduce to you some of our friends here in just a moment. But just to kind of set the stage, the Lord put this on my heart. You know, we've been in this message series called The Altered Life, which is really about what a life of worship looks like. And I couldn't think of a more proper way to worship God than giving your whole life to whatever God calls you to do. And you're going to get to hear from some people that have said yes to that call. But uh, also, this church, when I became the pastor almost 10 years ago, one of the very first things that was on my heart to do was to go back and to look at the Genesis, the beginning of some of the things that the Lord put on Pastor Hal Curtis's heart and on this church's heart, which the original name for this church was New Covenant Fellowship. And uh, back in the day, almost 48 years ago, and one of the things that really popped out to me was this connection between missions, global missions, and the local mission of our church, in particular with YWAM, Montana Lakeside. And how many of you were blessed by worship this morning? Wasn't that amazing? Uh, so grateful. And each and every week, you know, some of our team, we usually have a couple of YWAM Lakeside, YWAM Montana members joining us that are a part of this church. And we're so grateful for that. But what a lot of you may not know is that in the very beginning, our very first worship pastor, this is really cool, uh, was a guy named David Graham. And some of you know David Graham, some of you don't, but David Graham was our first worship pastor here at New Covenant Fellowship. He was also very instrumental in starting the YWAM Lakeside, YWAM Montana base. And so there's always been this heart-to-heart connection between our church and YWAM and global missions. And for a lot of you, you come to church every week and when, when you give, you don't realize that you're not just giving to what we do day in, day out, week in, week out, what we do here in our local community, but what we are sowing into, into bringing Jesus, the hope of the world, to the nations. And so today's a day where we just want to celebrate that And we want to bring some awareness to you of some of the things that you are actually investing in and what our church is doing to support some of our local missionaries. So I would love to just kick it off by asking you guys to just uh, share a little, share who you are and where you serve in missions. We are Austin and Annalise Orr, and we have two little ones. We served with YWAM Lakeside for about eight years, and then we were sent to Nepal by them. And just recently, we've come back to join Wycliffe Bible Translators. So that will be our full-time role to assist in Bible translation, and we are waiting our next assignment overseas from them. Awesome. How about you guys? Now, this couple, before they share, I just want to say are very near and dear to MT and I's heart and this church's heart. Uh, I I told them they had to adopt us as their grandkids, and and they kind of have, but... uh, We've actually gotten to be on the mission field with you, and we've seen you at work. And, and I would love for you, as you introduce yourself, to make sure, and I know this may be a little bit of a faux pas to ask you to do publicly, but as you introduce yourself, would you also share how old you are? Would you mind doing that? Yeah, as a man, I know it's not a big deal. I know for women, that's like a, a real no-no. You don't do that kind of thing, but... You notice how she gave the mic to me, <laughs> and so... But there's a reason behind my madness. I'll do this this right. Uh, I'm 82, and Ruth is... (laughs) Good job, Don. He just scored some points, fellas. 
and if you do, if you do the math, you can take his age and subtract four years. Well, um, our, ta our, our, our mission is really multitasking. Uh, we, first of all, uh, our mission coordinators for this church, we work uh, with an awesome uh, mission team in all areas of mission, global missions for this church. Everything from uh, just, well, I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, the other part is uh, in uh, our involvement in the Czech Republic, now going on 17 years. In fact, uh, four weeks from today, uh, we will not be in the service. We will be on a plane back to Czech Republic. Come on. And uh, we will Love be it. there for three months, uh, and we're looking forward to that. We just know God has great things in store. That's great. One of the reasons why I wanted to ask you to share your age, thank you, by the way, is because one of the, these guys are, are some of our heroes. And they're our heroes because at 82, they are still growing, go, growing. They're still growing, and they're still going strong. I mean, you guys are amazing. They're about to go back out on the mission field. And so when they could be chilling on a beach somewhere or just hitting the retirement button, you know, they're still on mission, still living for Jesus until the very end. And I love that. There is no retirement from living on mission. And these guys are such a great example of that. You inspire me and you inspire our church. And thank you, by the way, for being our Hope Church missions coordinators. I couldn't think of a better couple to do that with the, the depth of experience of mission work that you guys have had but also just your heart and love for mission. So thank you for that. And by the way, if, uh, if you're here today and the Holy Spirit would just tug on your heart to join our missions team, maybe missions is your thing. You love missions. You, you didn't know there was a missions team here at Hope Church and you would love to get involved. These guys and the team are gonna be out in the lobby after service and you can sign up uh, to find out more and maybe join the next team meeting and see what this is all about and see what's happening uh, with missions in and through Hope Church. Keith and Mariska, now I love you guys. Um, I, I feel like we're family. I've been grafted into the YWAM uh, Lakeside family a little bit as I've had the honor and privilege to serve uh, on the board of directors for YWAM Lakeside now for, I don't know, I've, I lost track. It's been a while, many, many years, but I love it. And uh, for the last couple of years, got to serve as the chairman of the board. So we've gotten to work closely together. And so I'm familiar with a little bit about the mission, but I would love for you to share uh, a little bit about you guys and then maybe what God is doing in and through the mission of YWAM. Great. Thank you, Pastor Lance. So um, as you heard, my name's Keith. This is Mariska. I like saying that because she's from South Africa and they roll their R's, so it's a, a challenge for some people. But um, yes, we are the campus directors out in uh, Lakeside, and we have about 165 staff, several hundred students that we run through our training uh, there annually. Um, do you want to share? Yeah. So our mission, we said it on the video, but our our 
YWAM Montana is only one small part of a much bigger picture. YWAM has many, many operating locations around the world. I think it's, we are at over 12,000. We have thousands and thousands of YWAMers around the globe. And so YWAM Montana is just a small part of a much bigger picture. And our, our overarching um, vision is to know God and to make him known. And at YWAM Montana, our um, mission statement is together we commit to the communication of the gospel by training, sending, supporting, and being uh, missionaries. And that is what we do. And so God has given us um, six target nations, and we mainly send our teams and our resources and our um, outreaches to these places, not exclusively, but mostly, and uh, just confirmed to us again recently that that is the right way to go. I'll mention the, the target nations to you quickly. We have um, India, Nepal, Thailand, um, Cambodia, and Ukraine, and Taiwan, that's, I just had five, and Taiwan, and um, um, God, just recently, a, a, well, a couple years ago, a gentleman came to us and just confirmed that word again to, to really focus, and he talked to us about a, a garden, and if you, if you make a, a vegetable garden, you, you wouldn't just go and, and, and maybe put a fence around a garden and plant some seeds and never go back again, because you will not have a fruitful crop. You will not, you, you will not be fruitful. And so he was talking to us about going over and over and over to the same places so that we plant the seeds and we water the garden and we, we you know, pull up the roots and all this really is done by the Lord, but we're willing to go. And in that way, God has allowed us to be very fruitful in the nations. And we definitely give all the glory to God. It's, it's just his mercy that we're still around, that God is still blessing Wyoming, Montana, and that um, young people are still being sent to the ends of the earth yes. because of what God is doing there. So we give him the glory for that. And I love that so much. And I think today, maybe more than any other time in history, it's so critical to help disciple the next generation and help them catch the heart and the vision for what God wants to do on the earth. And I love that Lauren Cunningham had that vision years ago of that map and waves crashing over it and seeing young people go to the nations. And many years, how, how long has it been since YWAM started? Uh, Roughly. I mean, it's over 60 wow. years, about 65 years. Lori, I'm looking at you. 63 years ago. 63, yeah. 63 years of training, equipping, raising up young missionaries. And what I love, too, is, is even though there's that experience of uh, being discipled and going out on global missions, there are many young people that they end up going into the workforce. I know, like, Brian, he's on the board with us, and, and he was a part of YWAM Lakeside. Now he's serving in business, but he's still a missionary in business. And I love that. And I think that's what the world needs. Uh, I would love for you guys, because I think one of the challenges and, and what, one of the things my heart as a local pastor is I want to do is I want, I want this to, for you to not just hear about what God is doing in and through, although that, that's part of the goal. But I want you to ask the question, what's my part in this? And I think for a lot of us, we come to church and, and we hear about God doing mission work in, in the world. And I think sometimes there can be this great disconnect between the local church and the people of the local church, uh, apart from just giving, you know, how, how can they be a part of it? And, and even more so, how do you know if you're called and, and what you're called to? Because we're all called to live life on mission. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we're all called to live on mission. But how do we know we're called and specifically where 
are we called to? And I would love for you guys, because I think sometimes, you know, people in church, they look at you guys and they say, wow, you must have a, a special, unique, you know, just, and you do. But I think oftentimes we discount the calling that we can have. And so I would love for you to share what was it that you felt like God calling you? And what was that moment, if you had a moment where you felt like, I know God is calling me to this, or was it a process? Would you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so separately, me and my husband, we both were called in youth group at camp in a place where the Holy Spirit was speaking to us. Uh, youth group is where God laid on our hearts. Missions. Get your kids to youth group. See Amen. that? <laughs> Amen. And uh, it was from that place I felt this invitation to look at the church globally, that it expanded my view outside of America. And so for both of us, separately again. We didn't know each other, but we both went to YWAM, this space, uh, as young 18-year-olds, and it was in that place that God directed our steps into long-term missions, but basically at YWAM, we were, a big part of it was about uh, the biblical studies school, being in the Word of God, being transformed by the Word of God, but also YWAM believing in us and building us up and discipling us, correcting us, we grew into the people that we needed to be before they sent us long-term into Nepal. And in Nepal is where God spoke about what he wanted us to do long-term in missions. Yeah, even as she's talking, I'm just bringing to mind people, pastors that we met in Nepal and... Uh, just the major impact that they had on us as a family. Uh, I don't know if you've seen from pictures and videos and things, but uh, the age-old story of Nepal with, you know, a Himalayan region, right? So you take this bus up into mountain passes, uh, this 12-hour bus that you're taking into the middle of nowhere, and then you take a 12-hour hike after that. And we were just talking to somebody uh, at last service who had done that recently. These are real places with real people, right? And uh, there's, you would think nothing's out there, but there's a vibrant and thriving Christian community. And we would go to these places and see some of these pastors and uh, the tenacity that they had, the uh, unbending spirit was so inspiring to us. Some of them, you know, they were just the first Christians in the, in the village region. Wow. So they took on this heavy sense of responsibility because they knew that the gospel needed to be spread to the ones that they loved. So they became the pastors, uh, even though they had, you know, very little training. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were so encouraged and inspired by them. And, you know, at one point I was, uh, at this point when we were living in Nepal, I was studying the biblical languages with Gordon Conwell doing my master's, but I had to get up at, you know, two or three in the morning. And I was just inundated during these night classes with Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all of these resources that we have here in America that are really amazing that are available to each one of us. And then in the morning, I would be seeing these pastors who have very little resources and, you know, what spoke to us the most in terms of being called to Bible translation was that many of these pastors that had multiple congregations did not have a Bible in their language. Hmm. So everything that they're doing in all of these different churches, they're working with a translation that's not their heart language. And that was so inspiring to me to see their tenacity. But that should not be a hindrance to anybody. Come on. Language should not be a hindrance to receiving Amen. who Jesus is. So we felt at that point the strong call for Bible translation. We want to get as many Bibles out there to as many people that will receive them. And uh, we'll talk in a minute probably, but there's something like 1,500 remaining languages. And we want to spend our time just translating as many Bibles as we possibly can because we've been so impacted by those brothers and sisters that you've never met but are yours in the Christian faith that are overseas in Nepal. So we, we want to translate as many as we can. Um, 
That's so good. Something you said just really struck me because I think in our Western culture and in America, we have this propensity to wait until we feel equipped to follow the call. And what I just heard from you is in places where that's not an option, you follow the call first. And as you follow the call, you get the experience as you go. And I think that's uh, one of the things, the mindsets that we have to actually shift when it comes to saying yes to the call of God. Yes, God wants to equip you, but too many of us are waiting and waiting and waiting until we feel ready instead of answering the call. And sometimes when you answer the call, God gives you the grace to get you ready. Amen. That's so good. One of the things I love and appreciate so much about uh, YWAM is this call to end Bible poverty now. And I would love, uh, amongst other things, for you guys just to share a little bit about that and about how God, uh, you know, you personally felt God's call on your lives to say yes to the call for missions. So um, maybe you can share first about how um, you came into ministry, and then I'll share, and then I'll share about it in Bible Potter. Okay, great. So for me, when I joined YWAM, um, I was familiar with it. I grew up in Polson, and we had some friends that were attending our church that had connected with David Graham, and um, they were looking at this old abandoned Air Force base in Lakeside uh, to start a missions training facility. So my mom would take my brother and I, um, along with some other families from our church, um, to go up and walk that base and pray over it and ask God to give it to YWAM. I was 13 years old at that time, and um, we just claimed that this would be used to send gospel carriers to the nations. Um, fast forward, I am um, a teenager on an outreach, and I just feel the call of the Lord to go full-time into missions. And was that when you had the mullet and were in a rock band? Because many Not people quite. don't realize Not that quite. about you. But I've seen the pictures, bro. So, yeah, so working on the mullet. By the way, great sneakers. I was working on the mullet, and, uh, you know, my mom wasn't a fan, so, you know, I had to kind (laughs) of hide it some way. But, uh, no, so I was actually um, in high school. I had already talked to a collegiate uh, Division I soccer coach to play soccer. Wow. Um, I was... That was my path. That's what I wanted to do. Um, YWAM had a missions trip down to Mexico that I went on uh, with a few of my friends. And we were seeing the Holy Spirit move. I'd never seen that in Polson. And I actually am praying that it will happen down there. But um, we were just blown away. We were seeing people say yes to Jesus. We were seeing people healed. Um, it just radically changed me. Um, I turned 18 on that missions trip, and when I just happened to be having a quiet time up on the roof of where we're staying, and I looked down, and I saw this family, and I, it, it wasn't that they just needed financial help, but they needed spiritual help as well. And uh, it was at that moment, it was my 18th birthday, that uh, God said, I want you to be a full-time missionary. And I said, yes. 
Come and on. that's where it all started. Love it. So for me, my story was a little bit different. I uh, grew up in South Africa. Um, when I turned 18, I uh, asked my dad if he would help me get overseas. I wanted to travel. And uh, my dad said, I will help you um, if you are willing to do a discipleship training school with YWAM. And I really, really didn't Smart want to do dad. that. Yeah, Smart and so dad. I... Leverage, uh, <laughs> that's called leverage, people. So I, um, I said, no, dad, if I had to list the things I want to do with my life, missions would be at the very bottom of the list. I have no desire. I love Jesus, but missionaries are poor, and they have a lot of kids, and yeah, I, I, I had a long story about why I didn't want to be a missionary, and uh, my dad said, then you can stay in South Africa, so I quickly changed my mind, and then, it's a long story, but God really directed me to Montana. I had no idea Montana existed, and we didn't have the internet back then, and so I couldn't even look it up. I had to find an encyclopedia, you remember those? And I paged through, and I found a little article, or passage about Montana with a little mountain goat and picture and I knew I didn't want to go there <laughs> but I really really felt like the Lord said to go to Montana and so um, I, I ended up in Lakeside Montana I will quickly share about ending oh sorry I did my DTS this is how I got the call for missions I did my DTS wasn't very interested in the very beginning first time ever that I saw snow it was terrible I hated it and um, but during my DTS God really changed my my heart like slowly the Lord just did a, a beautiful work in my life and I love the Lord but man he matured me during my DTS and I I well when we were on outreach in Puerto Rico I was able to um, witness and help um, share the gospel with someone who came to know Jesus and I saw that process of going from death to life and I loved I mean I just couldn't believe what I was witnessing and yeah. um, I thought what what I just want to do this for the rest of my life and so my parents came to my DTS graduation and they um, I remember them saying you are not the same person that you used to be I mean I just really I just fell in love with the Lord um, I am so grateful that God called me into missions um, I love this life we've had tons of adventures we've had we've seen beautiful things it's been hard it's been wonderful it's been there's we've seen had so much victory in in ministry by the Lord's grace he's had the victory we we, we were there to witness it um, but uh, most recently the Lord gave Wyoming Montana uh, an invitation to really um, uh, participate in ending Bible poverty now in, in the islands of Papua New Guinea where these guys actually served yeah. and um, to help translate parts of the Bible for 33 languages um, that, uh, that does not have that do not, I, I speak a different language, <laughs> ESL, um, have a Bible in their language. And so the, what a privilege that we will be able to go and do whatever we need to do. We're, we're not, um, we're going to be getting some training. We don't totally know what we're doing, but we're saying yes to Jesus. And we're going to New Guinea, and we're going to be doing this work. And I just really believe that at the end of three years, there will be a big dent in the 33 languages that we will be focusing on with a whole bunch of other missionaries. And so um, it's a privilege to be able to do this. Now, this is no joke. Like, it, from what I remember being in those meetings where you guys were talking about that, and, it, and it's like dangerous. Yeah. Like, you could lose your life by trying to go into some of these tribes, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, it is, it's a, what, what we've been hearing is a very dark place. But, you know, and it's, it's, there is a gentleman came and shared with us and said, this is the worst place. It's the most isolated place. You guys know it's not the worst place. <laughs> and I just really believe that God wants, it says it's the darkest place. Yeah. 
I just will believe 100% that it's going to be a place where the light of Jesus shines. I just, it's not going to have the proverb as one of the darkest places yeah. on earth anymore because yeah. when those people have the word in their heart language, it's going to transform yes. this nation, right? And it's going to be a yes. place of light. I really believe it. And we're only going on the heels of amazing missionaries like these guys who have already been yeah. there for years and years. So. Yeah. But, but the point is it's not without risk. Yeah. Like there is... There's risk in it. And I think for a lot of us, you know, one of the things, I love what John Wimber said. He said, faith equals risk. And part of living life on mission is taking a risk every day. You know, and so for you, it may be like you're in the grocery store and you feel like the Lord puts somebody on your heart. And it may be taking a risk to say, hey, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I would just love to take a moment. God puts you on my heart. And, and yeah, I've seen this happen. It's, God's done it to me, but I've seen my wife. She's so amazing at doing that. And I've seen, like, people's total strangers, you know, just uh, God, something simple. Like, God told me to tell you that you're beautiful. This is her saying that, not me. Um, but, and then all of a sudden, they just start breaking down and then just sharing, like, you know, that, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. And just how God can use you in the simple step of risk, of faith, to step out and to, to take a risk. And uh, that's a little bit easier than risking your life to go into the jungle where you actually might physically die, right? So, you know, I think sometimes it's healthy to put our risk here in America in perspective with where, you know, some of these amazing people have said yes to go and to literally risk their lives for. And by the way, uh, there may come a day here in America where we have to check our hearts and say, are we, are we willing to step out in faith even if it means I go to jail or I'm persecuted or God help us, somebody on Facebook makes fun of me or criticizes me. Um, but, but we might actually find ourselves in a position where standing up for the gospel and not being ashamed to preach the gospel means that we do get persecuted. That's for another day. Love to hear about you guys though. Tell us a little bit. Um, about that call, that initial call, like how did you, how did you feel that call? It, for me, it began in uh, 1986 when uh, we were invited to go on a, a survey um, team to Haiti, and I wanted to go. I thought, aha, I probably have something to offer. There's a work to do there. But uh, when we got there, um, God captured my heart hmm. <laughs> with love for the people, for the Haitian people. And... Um, to hear them share of their faith journey and what they had and didn't have. They would yeah. say, uh, we have 10 children, two are alive, but God wow. is faithful. Wow. And um, so it was that, that love relationship that was the work, and it carried into the physical work, but it was the relationships. And um, it was sometime later that God, God downloaded to me how... Um, he loved the lost people and how he loved those people of all places in the world. And um, that changed how I saw my everyday life. And uh, when we went to the Czech Republic, it was the same story that we fell so in love with those people. And it, love was the work. Yeah, I I love that, no pun intended, but um, what I heard from you too is sometimes you have to position yourself to see people that are broken 
And I think one of our challenges here living in America in 2023 is that we're, we are such fast-paced people that we can easily run by somebody and not allow the Holy Spirit, not allow it to hit our hearts. Not to, just to turn off the news, to turn off something we don't like to see that's ugly, that um, is troublesome, uh, just block it out. But there's something about seeing it. I remember when Pastor David and I um, went uh, one, one Christmas and we were passing out gifts and evergreen to some of the, the families that uh, couldn't afford to have a Christmas. And I remember going in particular into this one home. It was really a, a trailer that had they had taken plywood and put over the roof. This is in our own backyard here. This isn't in a third world nation. They had put plywood over the roof just to stop the, the snow from coming in. I remember walking in, and the first thing when we walked in is you hit the smell of cat urine. And, and my kids were in tow with me, and I remember they were looking at me like, Dad, you know, this is a little scary. And, and I thought, you know, yeah, but this is good. Because there was something about being there in that moment and seeing it that I felt like when you see it, then you get the heart of God for people. And that's what I heard from you is that when you, when you saw it, that there's something about the heart of God gets in you for, for people. And I think one of the challenges is for us is we can come to church and we can, we can worship together, we can hear great messages, and we can go back to our nice, comfortable homes and our nice, comfortable cars and our nice, comfortable lives, and we can never allow the burden for people to get and hit our hearts. And I pray that the burden would hit our hearts. Don, let's hear from you. Um, this is a new thought. Even as I'm sitting here, I believe this is a word from someone here. And what came is Ruth shared her experience in Haiti. That's almost 40 years ago. We were there together. I'm with her. I experienced what she experienced. We were together. And I think that's something for a word from, for someone. Mm. It's not what is my call, but what is our call. That's good. Our mission is not Don and Ruth. Our call is Don and Ruth. Somewhere in the Bible it talks about two chords yeah. together. I believe this is for someone. Good. So what about you, Don? What, how did you know? Because you were a school teacher. And, and one of the things I love about your story is that I think a lot of people can, can relate to you. You know, um, we all have jobs, right? And yet we have this higher calling outside, even for a lot of us, what we do. And, and sometimes we separate the two, but understanding that even even in what we do for work is our call is part of our call and it's part of our mission but for you you were a school teacher and and you had that heart for mission just share a little bit about that and what you felt like god was doing and how he called you god uh, has giftings for us pastors teachers and it goes on and on mm -hmm. god has gifted me as a teacher as we go out, God's wisdom somehow flows through me into the people. 
I don't know how it works, but uh, when I'm up before, people listen. I don't understand it, but that's how God uses people. He uses the, the Holy Spirit gives gifts, and the Holy Spirit, God uses those gifts for his purpose. And we don't have to figure it out. He just does. Yeah. And, and so what I heard from you is that you just made yourself available. And you knew that God has given you some gifts and he had put some things on your, on your heart together as a couple. So I love that you encouraged our people that it, it isn't just about our individual call, uh, but it's our collective call as couples, as families sometimes, right? As body uh, of Christ, as churches. And so in the first service, you shared about, you know, a moment where you were on the mission field and, and there was this division that was happening between uh, people that were believers and they called on you being the missionary to try to fix it or do something. And, and you didn't know what to do. But I love uh, that you said you just got on your knees before God with the Bible and you said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this, but you do. And, and, God, that, be, and that became a way of life? Yes. And God gave you the words to say. Exactly. And you even said you were amazed at how good it was after you said it. I was, yeah. I was speaking. You know how your, your language has to be translated. And in that translation period, I, I reflected wow that was good and it encouraged more and more and more and god used it to bring healing to that group of people and it was just such a, an amazing testimony but i want to just um i want to give time i want to ask you guys if you would just share a story of missional impact a time when you were either on the mission field or maybe i know as leaders uh directors executive directors of the base there's you get to hear all the cool stories and so um you know maybe there's there's one in particular that stands out to you that you've either personally experienced or that you heard you know come back from the mission field i'd love to hear you share one um i feel like Wyoming montana is on mission when we are training and discipling and then sending young people to the nation so actually these guys today sitting here on stage for me yeah. is it's a really testimony. for us it's such a blessing to see what you guys are doing and just the way that you are moving forward with the lord regardless of in or out of ywam it's just so such a blessing so that to me this today to me is a bit of a like a god story but also um uh i was just thinking um during between the two services, I was reminding of a time, reminded of a time when we were on outreach. Keith and I actually um, led our arts and sports department for a long time on, on the campus, and then um, we would take young people out on outreach every summer for 12 years, and um, it was a highlight for us. We loved it, and um, we had a. Uh, the privilege of going to, to Germany one year, and um, one night we were going to go out into a red light district, and it's kind of a long story. <clears throat> we ended up having worship at the, in this beautiful town square, and uh, the Lord um, put a gentleman, uh, people would just come and listen to us worship the Lord, because, you know, Jesus is really, truly the most attractive thing about us, yes. right? And so people would just come and listen to worship. It wasn't a performance. We weren't we weren't even looking up. We were kind of, ha we had our eyes closed. But I happened to see this gentleman and his little boy walk up, and 
Um, he was dressed. He was dressed very nice in a suit, and uh, um, I felt like the Lord said to go talk to him. And I, I had so many excuses why that's not a good idea. I said, I'm a woman. We're in the red light district. Um, yeah, I had a lot of excuses for why not to go up. And um, I closed my eyes, and I, when I looked back up, he was gone. And I felt so grieved that he wasn't there anymore because I, I really just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I missed an opportunity to, to share Jesus. And I, I started praying again. I had my eyes closed, and I opened my eyes, and he was there. <laughs> and, and so well, now I didn't have an excuse anymore. So I, I grabbed someone, someone, a German gentleman, and I went over to him, and we started talking and shared the gospel. We asked him, why are you here? What, what made you want to come listen to the worship? And he said, I'm, I'm a Muslim. And when I was a little boy, I would, I would sneak into the back of this church, and I would listen to worship. Mm-hmm. Until I would listen all the way until the sermon started, I would sneak back out. And he said, I did this for years, and I have never heard the gospel shared with me. And so we shared the gospel, and he said, I've been waiting for you. Like, I've literally been waiting for someone to share the gospel. And yeah, and so he, he, yeah, let's just give Jesus a hand. Yes. So then, (laughs) then, um, I mean, this, he had tears coming down his face, and this little boy was looking up at his dad. So I could just, I mean, I, I'm thinking this boy's life is now totally different because his dad just became a Christian. And then he said, I would like for you to come and witness to my wife. I'm, I'm actually going to go meet her now. And um, we, we couldn't go with him, but we said, we're going to be at this church where we're kind of being hosted, hosted by in just a few days. And so if you want to come to the service, he goes, that's the church I've been sneaking into. <laughs> and so that is just awesome. So it was so great, right? That it's like so a family completely transformed by the love of God. Like who could do that? Only the love of God can do this. So then a couple months ago, I'm in Mexico. I mean, that, that story, we've had, we've had and heard so many incredible stories throughout our years in Wyoming. Yeah. Um, so many wonderful testimonies when these teams come back from the field. A couple, a couple um, months ago, I'm in Mexico, and we go out on the streets of Mexico, and we're sharing the gospel again. And this story kind of stands out to me as this, that one time that God said, don't ever miss an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, I've been, because obviously God's been working this guy's life for a long time. So here I was again in a square in Mexico, and there's a gentleman and I feel like God said, share the gospel. And so I grabbed an interpreter, went over, shared the gospel, tears coming down his face. And he says, I've been waiting. I want to hear about Jesus. Wow. And so we were able to witness, and, and this gentleman became a Christian that day, and he gave his heart to Jesus. So it was kind of connected to me in a weird way. Like, in the, It's just kind of a similar context. And yeah. Anyway, God is so good, and he is, he's at work long before we even know, right? So I didn't know what was going on in that German man's life, and I didn't know what was going on in this Mexican gentleman's life, but they were ready to receive Jesus. Yes. So my encouragement to you this morning is um, don't ever miss an opportunity Come to on. share the gospel because God is at work. I love that. I love that. I love that. What, what really stuck out to me is both those instances, those two gentlemen, two separate occasions, they both said, I've been waiting. Yes. Wow, when you said that, just something in my heart, I wonder how many people that we interact with day in, day out are just waiting for you to share the gospel with them, for you to show them the love of Christ. Um, by the way, uh, this, this connection between YWAM and Hope Church you know, just goes back to our inception as a church, but I just, 
I, I missed this earlier. I want to take a moment to make sure I do this. If you have been in the past or you are currently a part of YWAM, and if you want to be a part of YWAM, by the way, they have a booth set up there right after service. You can go find out more about it. Um, but I would love for you to just stand to your feet. I would just love to honor you for your service. If you have been in YWAM or currently serving in YWAM, would you stand to your feet? Come on. We honor you guys, bless you guys. Thank you for your service. You're amazing. You may be seated. Also, by the way, we, um, maybe this, this powwow here this morning is, is encouraging you, but it's also, you feel like the Holy Spirit just stirring something in you and you would love to go on a mission trip. I want you to know that our mission trip, our mission trip, our mission team, led by our mission coordinators, Don and Ruth Slaybaugh, and we have an amazing team that you can meet after service. But we've been working on a couple of mission trips. COVID kind of put a, a damper on things a little bit. Some of our plans got delayed. But I want to let you know that I am really excited that in spring of 2024, early March, we are going to be taking a team for 10 days to Bucerias, Mexico, to partner with a church there called La Fuente, where Donnie and uh, Connie and Dave Allen uh, serve in the, uh, for six months out of the year. And if you're interested in going on that mission trip, I want you to know you can sign up in the lobby. Uh, just as a way to say, I'm interested, and then there'll be an interest meeting in the near future where we'll let you know a little bit more details. But we're excited about that. I'm also excited to let you know that we have another target that we've been working on in the Dominican Republic, and I hope to bring you more details about that soon. But that is in the works also. So if you're, if, if you're interested in being a part of a mission trip, we're, we're going to have a place for you. But I would love to hear um, as a final just kind of closing from you guys. Would you just share maybe a moment? Um, you've been on the mission field. You saw God do something really cool. Um, we are opening our eyes up to what the church is like outside of America. And we are so encouraged. And I want to encourage you in that today, that there is a booming church that is happening in Southeast Asia, in South America. People are hungry for the movement of God. They are hungry for the Holy Spirit to fall for healing. And we don't have to stir up something in them. They're stirring up something in us. And we feel excited to go out. We don't feel like it's a burden or a strain on us. We're, we feel like God is inviting us to take part in the future of the church, and it's truly an honor. And so I hope that encourages you today. You have so many brothers and sisters on the side of the world who are hungry for Jesus yeah. and who are expanding the gospel in their own nations, uh, and it's really something to be excited about. Yeah, and earlier we mentioned the uh, the translation so we would we just also want to share an experience that we had with the translation recently but uh does anybody know off a little i like group involvement does anybody know off the top of their head how many languages roughly that there are in the world any guesses just throwing out there Ten thousand? no not ten thousand a little lower than that yep seven thousand somebody's been reading our stuff out there <laughs> Uh, there's about 7,000 languages that are out there. And uh, I think I mentioned this in the video earlier and a little bit in the conversation, but do you know how many languages uh, still need a, a translation in their own language that don't have one started? 1,500, that's right. I got to admit to you, uh, when I heard this originally, uh, maybe I'm more on the skeptical side, but I, I wondered how long 1,500 
languages we're going to take. And we met with Wycliffe recently, and they're partnering with YWAM and many, many other organizations. So we'll be working hand in hand with each other, which I'm so excited about. But do you know the date that's projected of when all of these languages are going to be started? 2025. Yeah. Two years, people. Jesus is coming. Yeah. People get ready. Absolutely. I just, I want you to think about that because it, it really is a unique time in history and God is doing something now that he has never done before. Uh, many, many people have been anticipating this moment where there would be a Bible translation in every language on earth. I mean, we see this in Revelation picture, right? It's people from every tribe and tongue, all of them worshiping before the Lamb. And now we're starting this Bible translations by 2025. So it's a really exciting time for YWAM, for Wycliffe. We're all working together to see this happen. And uh, this initiative, it's really ambitious, but it's called Vision 2025. And uh, so just recently we were working with a people group. Uh, it's a displaced people group in Kona, Hawaii. And this was last February we're working with them. And we are uh, working away all week at getting in their translation Psalm 1. So it took us a week, a week of discussion, a week of, you know, how best do we render this word in your language? And after a week, we had the entirety of Psalm 1 for the first time ever in their language on paper. Come on. How amazing is that? That is amazing. God is working. God is on the move. And, uh, I don't know if you want to read a portion of that as well. Yeah, and just real quick, I'll say the second verse in Psalm 1 says, these people delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And this time in February was the first time these people could actually meditate on the law wow. of the Lord in their own language. And this is what's happening all around the world right now. And so I hope you are encouraged. People are being given the word of God that will forever change their lives. And it's an amazing time in missions history. Amen. Amen. Come on. Can we give it up one more time for these amazing missionaries as they exit the stage? I want to invite up our worship team from YWAM to come as we, as we close our Hope for the World Sunday. I, a few thoughts I just want to share with you as your pastor. You might be sitting here and thinking, oh, that's awesome. That's great for them. And I think that's part of the problem that we have in the local church is that we see missionaries as these special people that God has called them to do that work. And, you know, we'll pray for you and we'll give you some money. And listen, not everybody is called to global missions, but some of you are. And maybe there's some of you in this room that you've actually never considered the fact that maybe God is calling you to global missions. But for the rest of us, you might be like, yeah, Pastor Lance, I know that God hasn't called me to global missions, but I can guarantee you this, you were made for mission. In fact, the Bible says that God has planted eternity in the hearts of men and women. And what that means is there's something innately designed. You were created, you were born, you were made from inception with something in you that innately knows that I was made for something more. You were made for mission. I want you to repeat this after me. I am a missionary. I am a missionary. I, now say it like you mean it. I am a missionary. Because God meant it. Jesus meant it. When he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have taught you. It's called the Great Commission. You have been commissioned by Jesus himself to be a missionary. And you might be like, whoa, 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 Pastor Lance, you're getting a little radical now. And I would say this. We're living in a day and age where, yeah, we need to get a little radical now. Unless the church begins to get a little radical now, we're in danger of losing people to hopelessness every single day. And we, we, we have this hope. It's an anchor for our soul, which means that knowing whatever we've gone through, and some of you came in this morning, you're going through some things, Maybe you're struggling with anxiety, fear, stress, depression, whatever it might be. Let me tell you something. You have this hope as an anchor for your soul in the person of Jesus Christ. But there's also another verse that Paul says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Now you may not be called to global missions, but you are a missionary. Jesus would say in John 17, 18, in the message translation, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, this is Jesus speaking, so now I give them a mission in the world. You were made for mission. But here's the challenge for all of us. I love John Ortberg says that all of us are in danger of living out a shadow mission. What do you mean by that? We all have a shadow mission. And this is why I believe for a lot of men, we lose sight of our purpose. You are made for mission. And when we don't live for the mission of God, we default into a shadow mission. A shadow mission could be anything that consumes your time, consumes your resources, consumes your mind share, that pulls away from the only mission that has an eternal impact. One of our vision points here at Hope Church, in fact, the last one is to make a difference. I wanna live a life that makes not just a difference here on earth, but makes a difference beyond this earth. In fact, there was a, a sociologist who has a quote, and he said that unless you're living life for something beyond yourself, you're not really living life. For many of us, I wonder, are we giving ourselves the things that don't really matter? You have to get a conviction inside of you. The mission is for me. The mission is for me. It's not just for those people. Cool story, bro. And we go home. We go out to lunch. We forget about it. No, I, my prayer is that we would get this. Paul got it. He said in Acts 20, 34, he said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned by me, by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. To live life on mission is to make an eternal difference. Now I want to end with this thought as I was just spending time with the Lord personally just the other day. I was reading in the book of Isaiah and I was reading Isaiah chapter 6. And it's the account of this man, Isaiah, being called into to ministry and recognizing that he'd been called. But it was an interesting way that God got his attention. He actually has this vision where he can see what's happening in heaven. 
And he gets this glimpse of the greatness and the majesty and the awe and the bigness of God. And when he gets this glimpse, it changes him. He's wrecked, he's undone. Nothing will ever be the same. And I believe for you and I, even as I was reading it, man, there was, there was a verse that just stuck out and just stuck me in my heart. I started to weep. I want to read it to you in closing. It is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. It said this, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You have to, you have to get a revelation of the Lord. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, which were angels, and each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces because they couldn't take in the oddness, the greatness, the majesty of God. And with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying around the throne of God and they were calling one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're declaring it in the heavens. And as they did it, the sound of their voices began to shake the doorposts and the thresholds. I believe it shook the earth and the temple was filled with his glory. And this is Isaiah's response. Woe to me, I cried for I am ruined. You see, when you get in the presence of it and you catch a glimpse and a revelation of the majesty, the oddness of God, the bigness of God, our natural reaction is, I'm not worthy, just like Peter said, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm a sinful man, tell me to go away from you. And this is Isaiah's response that if we're not careful, it could be our response. We say, I, I can't meet this call. It's too big for me. And Isaiah says, I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet here's what struck me. And my eyes have seen the king. The king. Have your eyes seen the king? Have you seen him? Have you seen the king? Because when you see the king, you're never the same. You'll never be the same again. It'll ruin you. It'll wreck you. You'll be undone. You'll say, God, what do I have to do? He says, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim, this is God's response. He sends an angel and he flew to him with a live coal in his hand from the altar where the lamb that was slain to take away the sins of the world. This is a burning altar. This is a burning coal from that altar. And then he said, he takes it and he touches. He says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So you have to understand something. We are saved so that we can be sent. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, after he cleanses him from his sin, after he anoints his lips to speak what he would have him speak, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I don't know how long it was, a pause maybe, maybe it was immediate response after seeing the greatness and the awe of God. But here's Isaiah's response, and I'm wondering if this is gonna be our response. And I said, and you see, this has gotta get personal for you. 
You may not be called to global missions, but you are a missionary, which means every day we live on mission in your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, in the grocery store, pumping gas. It doesn't matter, but our heart posture matters. I said, here I am, Lord. Send me. So I want to ask you in closing, because I believe the Lord is asking us, whom shall I send? Whom will go for me? Who's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many times have we not said, because we're ashamed, we're afraid of what other people will think. We let our pride get in the way. And we don't. But how many people, like Mariska was sharing, are just waiting for you and me to say, I will. When Jesus was blessing his disciples he said peace be with you the father has sent me so now i'm sending you and he breathed on them and they received the holy spirit see we can't do this alone we need to receive the holy spirit i want to ask you how many of you would say i want to i want to answer the call in my heart i'm saying here i am send me god send me to my workplace send me to my school send me to my neighborhood send me to the community you've called me to And now I want to pray over you. And I also want to say, I I would be amiss if I didn't end this service by inviting some of you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, let me tell you, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to go to the cross, to take on your sin and my sin, to die a brutal death that he did not deserve. But he didn't stop there. He went to the grave. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in victory so that you and I can have victory over sin and victory over death. And if you will surrender your life to Jesus today, ask him to forgive you and cleanse you of all your sin. He'll come into your life and he'll make all things new. And you can make that decision right now. But for the rest of you that want to be sent, I want you to raise your hand. In fact, I want want you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing this song again. This is going to be an opportunity for us to give our yes to Jesus. Say, yes, I'll be a sent one. I'll be, I'll be those. I'll lay my life down. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll surrender. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Come right now. Breathe on your people, just like you did to your disciples on that day. God, I pray that you breathe on us. Breathe on us. Send us, God. Breathe on us. In Jesus' name.